0: You are listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Round one, fight! Can't we do our own secret shows? All our shows are secret shows. All we have the tools. We have talent. You have to use so many cuss words.
1: Let's go! Ooh yeah! I think we've talked about this on a previous podcast. I think Tom Cruise got like some kind of. I think he got some kind of like diagnosis. Like I think he's dying. And, and I think he keeps trying to, like, kill himself on a movie set to, so his family gets, like, the insurance payout. But he keeps surviving. <laughs> you see the making of, like, the stunts he do he does yeah. for these Mission Impossible movies? Mm-hmm. Like, in this one, there's some big jump he does on a motorcycle off of a mountain. Oh, and I, yeah. I watched some, like, making of thing, and apparently he did this stunt himself oh, yeah. 16 oh. times. He jumped off a mountain. I'm like, he's been doing this. <laughs> that is a dude who is trying to die. <laughs> I don't know how to, I
0: don't know how they keep uh, insuring him. Uh, yeah, he's been doing this for the past few Mission Impossible movies. So they just keep getting bigger and bigger. And I didn't realize until recently, but it dates back to Mission Impossible Two. Remember that one scene they were showing in all the trailers—the big fight at the end, the hand-to-hand combat. Where he he has jumps with- off
1: the motorcycle.
0: Well, that, but then where he's got the uh, the the other guy's holding the dagger. Doug Ray Scott was holding the dagger, like mere millimeters oh, from his, his eye. Yeah, apparently that's yeah. Uh, his
1: eyeball and a real instrument oh, no. that uh, the actor nope. was holding. Oh yeah, so it started then. <laughs> that was that was the same movie where Doug Ray Scott tried to do a stunt and he caved in his chest and didn't play Wolverine. That's right. Thank thank goodness.
0: Fortunately for the rest of us, unfortunately for him. I know, right? Uh, But yeah. No, listen, when you're Tom Cruise and you know that eventually the aliens will be taking you away, you you don't fear death the way us (laughs) mortals do,
1: Joe. Death fears you. (laughs) That's right. Bro, what's new with you? What's going on? Uh, Oh, well... Are are we talking personal uh, life? I mean, we just, we haven't talked for a couple weeks. Last time we, last time we got on the podcast, we had your, your boss, Jason on, we talked about it. Bar nut, like so many great responses to that episode, by the way, like he was, I received the same. He was so great, man. man. He was awesome. I would love to have him on again sometime. Like I learned something. Oh, for sure! I'm
0: sure he would be happy to do it. Well, luckily, uh, we had enough content where we did have to again that very next week <laughs> in our uh, little mini Indiana Jones episode where we were uh, positing what the the next Indiana Jones movie. And it's funny uh, you segue that way, Joe, because I did see uh, the the most recent and final indiana jones movie the dial of destiny have you seen this now?
1: now now i know we were feeling pretty positive about it like beforehand like we were feeling like <laughs> i'm gonna give this the benefit of the Oof. doubt you know i'm gonna wow. I'm, I'm this is it's probably gonna be really good so what did you think well a couple of weeks will do huh uh real 180 there <laughs> no not not
0: horrible um <laughs> but um yeah just ponderous uh, un- un- unnecessary and and at times really sad like <laughs> Ch- chet and i yeah. found ourselves like uh, cringing at some of the um some of the action scenes because i mean like we we've, we've heard reports of like harrison ford like break, he famously broke a hip on the set of like uh force awakens right where they had to reschedule him yeah. and do reshoots later um so anytime he's doing like a stunt that looks like it could result in him uh, taking a little spill <laughs> It's really you're just like, ooh, whereas before, you know, th- think about what you go to an Indiana Jones movie for. You want to be caught up in these action sequences and, wow, this adrenaline rush. You don't want to be, like, yes. fearing for the safety of the actors portraying <laughs> these man. beloved roles. It really is both him and Sala uh, with John Rice uh-huh. davies coming back, and uh, they share a scene. And there's just like one shot of them, like, running across the street, like, trying to avoid traffic. And even <laughs> that seemed to be touch and go. <laughs> like
1: any one of them this could be the last thing we shoot so one thing i'm going to point out mm-hmm. and it was like like what they did for the irishman i don't know if you ever saw the irishman <laughs> yes. but when they like they younged up robert de niro mm-hmm. but he still moved like an old man like yes. his 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 movements the, the way he carried himself like it's this scene where he beats up a guy on the street and i'm like He's doesn't he's not carrying himself like how a young guy would beat up yeah. somebody on the street. He's he's carrying himself like how a sixty-year-old well. would try to carefully kick somebody <laughs> around, and that is. Absolutely, the body language that you saw running around in this film, where yeah, it's yeah. that that opening scene, which is a good opening, it's probably one of the better openings to an Indiana
0: Jones movie. You know,
1: the the the
0: sad part about it is, uh, Jen and I, after after the after the movie, you know, we're, we're, we're commiserating, talking about what we liked, what we didn't, and we both agreed, like, I would have been fine just seeing an entire movie of the de-aged Harrison Ford, yeah, like because they yeah. they clearly had like a body double for him for seventy five percent of the shots. And then, yeah, every right. now and then there's that one shot of him running on top of the train towards the camera. And he is just like, yeah,
1: he looks like between shots, he added about 50 pounds and 25 years. Y- yeah. 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 And also, like, as they're walking away from like the bridge, and you know, yeah. him and 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 what's his name? Um, oh, I can't remember what yeah. his name was. His the little buddy, the, Dr. Zolder, they're walking away just before that intro ends, and like, the way he's walking i'm like he's walking like an old man like I know. He's, look at him oh my god um what, what are we doing here you know and some of the compositing of his face to try to de-age him yeah. but there would be some places where it hits in the light and it's like ooh, that looks like they painted over an old face yeah, yeah. uh It. or I, any anytime he
0: spoke to the way the mouth was moving when he spoke it was good yeah be, and, and his voice they didn't i would i would hope they would at least try to de-age his voice as well, but and when you've got uh, yeah, suave twenty-five-year-old Harrison Ford looking in the eye, but he sounds like a McGruff the Crime Dog. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: why did Why couldn't they do something about that? It, it's so funny though, like comparing the de-aging now to like Tron Legacy and Jeff Bridges. Oh, and leaps there about. is such just such a huge dramatic difference like it looks so much better. it almost like i think i've told you before like i wish they would go back and redo tron legacy just the effects yeah just go back redo the effects because i bet you could make that look better now oh yeah but uh well but yeah i don't here's the thing i feel overall i felt positive about the movie sure but i agree was it necessary no it really wasn't I think like Rotten Tomatoes added at like a 69% and that feels about right. There was nothing that had to be said in this film that we didn't already say in the last one. You know, it, I, I will say that the the final bit where it's like, where doesn't it hurt?
0: Yeah, that they brought back was
1: really yeah. charming. I, I liked that. Uh, it almost makes me wish they had just put that in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like, yeah, you could have just, just put it in that movie. Um I don't know. I, I'm. I feel like it's a good Indiana Jones adventure, um, but then there are parts of it that feel like, oh, well, that feels a little rushed, or that that feels like they didn't completely flesh that I'll out. I tell you, I, I wasn't sure if I would miss
0: Spielberg as a director, knowing this, you know, he didn't come back for this one. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I really did miss Spielberg, not behind the camera there. Um, yeah, not so much from the way it looked, but like some of these moments where I felt like. Uh, you know he's able to like um, go off script and and play a scene mm-hmm. or find a, a moment. There's a there's a, a point in this movie where uh, Harrison Ford and what's her name Phoebe Waller Bridge I've already forgotten her. Oh name, Phoebe Waller yeah are uh, are are uh, whistling or or trying to make a sound. They're listening for an echo. They're in a cave and they're look, looking for uh-huh. the loudest part of the cave, and so they're making noises. Um, and they start. I can't remember what song they're they're singing. <laughs> but it never really kind of evolves beyond them just making noise. And I remember thinking that – I feel like Spielberg would have made a moment of that, made a, a little musical yeah. moment, had the characters interact in some way, made it funny, brought some charm to it. And so mm-hmm. you get enough of those misses, um, and it just didn't feel like a Indiana Jones movie. And, again, it was like, no. why, why, are, why are we following these 80-year-olds around on
1: adventures? Well. And not just that, I think this also speaks to the it speaks to the problem of getting the guy who did Logan to direct your Indiana Jones, your geriatric Indiana Jones movie. I'm (laughs) I don't know about you, man, but like I'm kind of over the I'm old and sad thing. Like, why do these characters have to be old and sad? Like, why can't we have a character that's old, but also like fulfilled in what he's done in his life? You know, exactly. Not full of regret. No, I mean, full of regret, <laughs> and and just to to have lived the life that we've seen. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you sad? Why are you <laughs> like this? Yeah. The, and and then and then the whole like, the whole like shoehorned in like my son. He died in the war, and I'm like, oh my yeah. god.
0: What well, the- I I thought that was actually going to serve a purpose. Um, because so you did see this movie, Joe, all the way to the end. To, yeah. you know the big twist, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I won't spoil. Yes. But um, yeah, listener, just a really ludicrous twist, just when you thought it couldn't get any more. <laughs> and I and I get that there's always been some supernatural element to um, uh, Indiana Jones movies. I feel like it always mm. works best when it's biblical. Uh, in nature, yes. and then that way you can always be oh, it's the, the spirit of God that did this. Um, when they get into aliens, uh, that I think a lot, that didn't strike people the the same way, uh, and
1: and this movie commits an equal sin in my book. So, how does the MacGuffin work? I, I was trying to figure that out. Still, I was like, how did how it, does the thing doesn't work? doesn't matter? It's a magic, Joe. It doesn't <laughs> matter. They found it, it works, and they found it, and they used it.
0: It just it, it just works, works because yeah, it's the destiny It's their destiny. Yeah. Anyway, uh, disappointing ending. Uh, although I did uh, appreciate the very last shot, the literal last shot, where uh, Indiana Jones finally hangs up his hat to dry,
1: and uh, yeah, yeah, but then but but then grabs it. <laughs> one more adventure. Then grabs it back. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. It's I, I I feel like there are there are worse things that you could you could spend your time on. But uh, it, it's a shame. It's a shame to to, yeah. to see that to see that happen. Uh, I don't know. That was
0: my big uh, summer movie kickoff, too, by the way, after having not seen all of the other blockbusters in really? the last two months. I was like, well, we're going to start with Indiana Jones. And, uh, yeah, not so much.
1: You, didn't, so. you didn't see Fast X? <laughs> you didn't <laughs> <think laughs> you know go me. see Vin Diesel? <laughs> was that out already? Man, post-pandemic, movies don't last in the theater more than, like, two weeks now.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, man. You, you just uh, wait it out. Call their bluff for 2 months and uh it too will be streaming for free on any number well, of platforms
1: that yeah. I'm paying for. I could have sw- I could have sworn that like we went and took Harper to see the Super Mario movie and it seemed like yeah. not not 3 weeks later it was out on Apple Apple TV or whatever. And like, now well, it's coming to Peacock right. like in a couple of weeks. <laughs> right? <laughs> Seriously. Remember when it's like a movie was in the theater and you had to wait like 8 months for it to come out like on on home oh, video. A year. Yeah. If you were lucky, yeah. Yeah. If they weren't uh, going to do that re-release bullshit. <laughs> we're, we're putting it back out in the theater for award season. That's right. Judge Dredd. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be crazy. Uh, so yeah. now that you've gotten that one out of the way, mm-hmm. what's the next one for you? Well, we've already done the next one. A, a better film in my
0: estimation. Uh, the new Wes Anderson film, Asteroid City, uh, with a cast of yeah? seemingly thousands uh, of famous people. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, good time if you like Wes Anderson. Uh, I think one of his better ones. Although... Um, Somewhat confusing and maybe a little more avant-garde than some of his other friends. Yeah. We're just saying something for for Wes Anderson, but uh, really enjoyable, great performances, beautiful to look at, fun, just characters you want to keep watching. Um, man, I if you if you like Wes Anderson, yeah, why why haven't you seen this already?
1: F- from the trailers, <laughs> I turned to Jay when we went and saw Fast X. They showed the trailer for this, mm. and I was like, this looks like the most Wes Anderson <laughs> y yes. Wes Anderson. That's ever Wes Anderson. Like, it's like a Wes Anderson parody. Just exactly, it seemed like a parody, like like the AI video of a Wes Anderson Lord of the Rings movie, right? I'm like, this is so crazy. um uh-huh. And I was doing a voice session about a week ago, and the director that I was working with was like just dogging this movie. He's like, "Did you go see Asteroid City? Man, that's a pile of shit." I was like, "Oh." okay but people have like very extreme views on wes anderson movies it's very rare that you find someone who's like uh it was okay like usually they either they either love it or they hate it and uh and yeah this guy was very much in the hate it camp
0: sounds like a review from somebody who hasn't seen a lot of wes anderson movies or didn't know what to i mean like yeah, you, you got to know what you're getting into, mm-hmm. or you may not appreciate it. Uh, this yeah. definitely isn't a a starter Wes Anderson film. I would think you know, uh, leave that for like eh, Royal Tannin Bombs or what Moonrise Kingdom. Even even the
1: Darjeeling Limited is kind of yeah. Uh, I love it, that one. It, it's accessible. Yeah, there you go.
0: This one uh, yeah. a little kind of far out there and uh, hard to kind of uh, wrap your head around. Uh, there's a little bit of mm-hmm. timey wimey.
1: Well, oh, uh, is this the first Tom Hanks appearance in a Wes Anderson movie?
0: I believe it is. Yeah, that's right. He can get anybody now, yeah, man. Think so. And all the same players show up. He he, he collects actors like Pokemon. Well, like they just keep <laughs> adding. Like every time you see another Wes Anderson film, you're going to see all the Pokemon you saw in the last one and some new ones. Yeah, and now we've added five more. <laughs> exactly. Tilda Swinton. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he he fits in that world. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel wow. like uh, Wes Anderson. So uh I'm two down and about a dozen <laughs> summer movies to go.
1: Yeah. No, tell me about it. How about you? Seen any good ones lately? Um I, I mean I've watched I've watched a few like uh here and there on on my uh not quite legit Mm. <laughs> source I'm quite sure I don't know what you mean Joe but but even then it's more like I'm not really watching it I'm just kind of skimming through it to see like huh okay this seems viewable you know maybe Sarah and I can watch this later but uh but yeah like I um I got through I think three quarters of the flash and I I don't mind it from what I saw, like what I saw was fine. Um, I'm excited about it. It's it's yet another movie though, where it's, and and I watched it. I was already feeling kind of sensitive. Uh, I was having a, a really rough day. And uh, then I'm watching this movie about a, a superhero who like oh no. fights to, you know, go back in time to stop the death of his mother a and realizes yeah. like he can't or mm-hmm. else like the other ramifications like it just it just creates worse consequences. Yep. And I'm like, oh, my God, like this is. This is not what I'm ready for right now. It's not what I want to watch. Not a fun uh, summer romp? <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm like, I, why can't all movies be Super Mario right now? Yeah. My, my son is totally in a Super Mario kick. We watch it almost every day. Oh, and really? Oh, no. I'm not sick of it yet. <laughs> but oh, That's good. But it's like, I wish every movie could just be super fun like that is. <laughs> Like this podcast. Like this podcast. Right. Yeah. Don't get too deep. Not quite empty calories, no. but, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe somewhat hollow. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll test that uh, theory today, Joe. <laughs> we'll see how, uh, how deep we can get. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited about this. But before we get into it, I just want to know, do you have anything like an obsession for this week?
0: I'll keep it short and simple. Uh, my obsession this week has been uh, my obsession for the last several weeks, and that is a little game called The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. That's right. We are uh, full into it. Um, not sure how many hours, but, uh, not a day goes by where we don't, uh, visit the land of Hyrule for at Did least. Did you a just minute. call me a dago? <laughs> not a day goes <laughs> by. <laughs> <laughs> and we're by no means like near the end of it. I, like there are still so many things where I'm like, Hey man, where are these characters? I know they're in this game. Why haven't I run into Hatsu, the weird giant Korok who gives me new things? Uh, so we're still very sure. much in its infancy and taking our time with it. Uh, but just loving the surprises and, um. I don't know how I can ever go back to Breath of the Wild after having played this game. Oh, wow. Yeah. it's Dude, uh, it's what, a, that good. what a bold claim. Well, I, I I think about it, and it's like I, I, there would be too many sacrifices of, of some of the gameplay mechanics now. I would just find myself missing. Like, why can't
1: I build an X-Wing and just fly out of here? Why can't I go through the ceiling? Dude, I hate new game mechanics. That's one of the things that I've seen that I fear. Like, I'm like, am I going to be good at that? Am I going to be able to do it? <laughs> Is this is this going to be too challenging? Uh, because as you know, I think you'll like it. I have been doing nothing but trolling you guys <laughs> know, in our text Jay. thread. <laughs> Jay wants more than anything for me to start playing this Zelda game. We all do. And every time, like I, I have now created this whole like thing where uh, I've been playing all the Mario and Luigi yeah. games. I just finished the last Mario Luigi game, which was Paper Jam, which is the uh, the crossover between Mario and Luigi and Paper Mario. <laughs> And so as soon as I finished that, I decided to start Paper Mario the sticker star on the 3DS. So you're just jumping to a complete another series from here. So, not only that, the listener gets a sneak preview of what's to come. I'm not sure Jay's ever going to listen to this. And if he Uh-oh. does, then the Sorry. cat's out of the bag. I've already got a plan for after I finish Paper Mario. Oh, no. I'm sure it does not include anything called Super Princess The Peach. Legend. Or, yeah. <laughs> no.
0: Well, I mean, at this point, you could never play this game.
1: Like, you just have no. to keep the joke going because. I have to keep this bit. It has to keep going.
0: Thanks to Matt Damon. Sorry we ran out of time, Matt Damon.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm, pl- I'm playing Barbie Racers. That's, that's <laughs> the next one. Jay, as soon as I finish Barbie yes. Racers, I'll play Tears of the Kingdom. I,
0: I, I think I posted the uh, Charlie Brown
1: with uh, Sally pulling the football out. <laughs> yes, from with, the, that, with the football that gif that was appropriate <laughs> for that time. I'm like, Jay, I just finished this game, so uh, you know what that means. You know what's next. He gets all excited. And there's like a, t- a t- I know, right? And then there's a title screen for something completely different. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go to One, two switch. Yeah. So, so that's what's going on with me. That's my, my obsession is uh paper Mario Stick star. Yeah. It's awesome. We both had video games as our obsession this week. It's super fun. It's uh, it's not as okay. So someday we'll go through and we'll do a recap of all. I can't remember the last time other than my final fantasy thing where a couple years back mm-hmm. when I played all the final fantasy games, but like oh, I yeah. went through this entire franchise in the course of like maybe two months, two and a half months. And there are some shining moments, some great stuff going on in this franchise. Mm -hmm. And then there's some stuff. I mean, there is never a bad game, but there are definitely some games that are way better than others. Some games that feel like they're bloated rather than full of content. Uh, Mm -hmm. So someday we'll talk about it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it was fun enough to get me interested in playing like, you know, going back and and revisiting some of these Mario games that, you know, maybe I only tried for a couple minutes and just never got back to it. But uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star, which from what I understand is like the fourth game in the series or whatever. Uh, (laughs) And I think I've only played Origami King. I haven't played any of the other ones. Really, uh, You're working but, backwards. But Origami King was so good. Uh, yeah, and you love that Sticker Star is great. So if if I get through Sticker Star and I'm feeling it, I may have to hook up my uh, my GameCube and play Thousand Year Door and uh, and see how that plays out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sure Jay will love that. But there you go. That is my obsession. Guys, you can share your obsessions with us uh, on our website. Not not on our website. I don't think there's anywhere you can put that on the website. Nope. But uh, on social, at low-res high uh, And you can find us online, low Uh, and And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find out what we're doing, what, we, what we're up to. Maybe we do previews of upcoming episodes. I don't know. Joel does all that. He programs all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but we do appreciate you listening. This is the podcast uh, made for people like you. And made for people like me, geeks that grew up Mm -hmm. uh, in in like a low res household. We I grew up with the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. That was my first game system. I think Joel uh, started early with the NES. I don't know if you had the Atari back in the day, but uh, I did as well. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. so absolutely, we we are the kinds of guys that you know we we love keeping up with technology. We love keeping up with the modern stuff, playing the modern stuff. Obviously, Joel with his Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, But we are the kinds of guys that uh, also love playing still the old stuff, even when it's released on. New high def systems, we still chase that. Uh, we chase that dragon, and uh, like, yep. it, uh, nothing makes me happier than a, a round of some Donkey Kong or some Galaga. Uh, so that's low res, high def, and uh, and today we're going to do something kind of different. We're going to break format a little bit again. Yeah. We've been very experimental. It's like our college years. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, we were trying to think of like, well, what can we do? I, I want to do stuff that we haven't done before. We're pod curious. When we do... <laughs> That's really good. That should be our Thanks. tagline. We're pod, pod curious. curious. Um, if you're pod curious, check us out. So put us in a whole different genre on the <laughs> Apple <laughs> uh, podcast. All I'm saying is, I would probably be the bear and you would be the cub. <laughs> um but all that aside uh unless you want to write fan fiction erotic fan fiction about me and joel yeah. go for it Dead, He's guys. a frame of mind right pedro pascal once said <laughs> so we uh <laughs> I, I like to do things that break us out of our mold like for years we did a podcast just talking about movies talking about bad movies and then talking about movies that we liked and talking about current stuff um uh, but i wanted to break the mold a little bit and so one one episode of this we we talked about music we talked about concerts then we had uh jason Geyer on last last time and we talked about toys and the the science and the manufacturing and the mentality behind it and uh and this week i i proposed to joel we do some show and tell uh an episode uh for him to share with me because we talk about things all the time that we both have in common, things that we are interested in. Obviously, we talk Indiana Jones to, to no end uh, because it's something we <laughs> both like, something we both enjoy. But what is something that Joel's into that maybe, not that I'm not into it, but I'm just not educated on it. I don't know anything about it. Uh, and that's what I've asked Joel to bring to the table today uh, for, for show and tell. So, Joel, without further ado, the floor is yours. Well, so... I, I, I am going to share something,
0: a new aspect of myself, but I wouldn't say it's something you don't know about me um, because you know me as a, as a video editor. Sure. Like I, I edit videos uh, by trade. Uh, I'm an editor, work for an advertising company, have for the last decade or so, kind of always been in the, uh, the agency world uh, for the last couple of decades. And it's just the, the, it's moving images. It's um, visual storytelling that I realized has always been a part of my life. Obviously, you know, we're doing this podcast now. We grew up on on movies and TV and the things that really shaped us. And we're not unique to anybody else. But um, you and I kind of both chose career paths that had us at least be uh, tangentially related to uh, the the industries that we love and the- the, The, the movies and the TV shows and the, the media that kind of gave us joy. We found a way to kind of give back or participate uh, in that world. And as I've gotten older, I've uh, kind of come to grips with um, why that is, or at least, you know, how it fits into my personality. I'm very much, uh, there's a term for people like me, it's, it's an, uh, an extroverted introvert. I'm very much mm-hmm. an introvert, um, but I can put on a face, put on a mask and perform. You know, I've, I've done plays on stage, which yeah. looking back at it now is like, that that seems terrifying to me because I it's would exhausting. never want to do that again. And to this day, I have stress dreams of like my stress dream is always the same. It's that it's opening night of a play. I'm backstage. I don't know my lines. And somebody's saying, you have to go on. And yeah. like, That's my stress dream. Wow. And yet I did it. I have forced myself to do it. I've thrown parties. You've been to some of my parties where I have people over. I'm exhausted by the end of the yeah, night. Yes. I, I only need to do that once every couple of months. It, it's so uh, emotionally draining. Um, it, it's like a battery. Every now and then, I just kind of need to get recharged, yeah. spend some time outside with social people. For the most part, uh, you know, I, I like to be in my man cave. Yes. Uh, both in my mind and literally. Um, and I've realized that being behind the camera and kind of choosing the career I've done, not just as an editor, but also as a videographer, um, it allows me to be able to participate in the world, without having to participate, if you know what I mean, I can kind of be that observer. And my excuse is, well, I'm the videographer. I'm the guy documenting uh, what is happening here, and so this is my job. I can be here and witness it uh, without having to participate. So it's a little bit of a not, I don't want to say a coping mechanism, but you know, that's that's how I, I navigate the world, and that's why I like doing that. Yeah. Um, and and the same thing with with my editing. The the as, as stressful as being on set. And, and you know capturing performances and directing is um, the complete opposite when I'm in the editing bay mm-hmm. um, I, I love kind of getting that footage and telling a story and putting my spin on it um, you know I've said before that um, at my funeral instead of uh, you know a, a slideshow maybe just show some of the commercials show some of the videos I've done <laughs> there you go. Um, because you, you, you you'll find out more about me and some of the work that I've produced than you would maybe having a conversation with me because it's it's I'm. I can be very surface, mm-hmm. and, and Joe. Even with you, I feel like there's there's still a, a part of myself that I, I you know, that that hard candy coating that yeah. I just can't can't drop. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get better at it as I get older, and 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 you know what? Doing this podcast is another way of doing that. I get to hide behind this microphone. Nobody has to see me. I don't have to answer to anybody but you, Joe. Um, <laughs> but for the words that I put out, it's it's how I've chosen to live my life. So okay. So what was your first
1: editing gig? Oh man. Um, well, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about like high school, I mean, we, we could do we could do high school because I mean that's the origins. But I'm kind of I'm I'm, yeah. I'm interested in your first professional paid gig.
0: Yeah, first paid gig. Uh, my middle school teacher, who was very impressionable on me, loved this guy. Jim Stevenson was his name. Went on to uh, start a uh, a wedding videography company in the little town that we grew. You know, you know Beville, in, uh, in the little town I grew up in. Yeah. And uh, so he hired a couple of his ex-students who were into video, me being one of them. And uh, we would go to weddings and shoot weddings, which I hate doing. I really respect people to do that. I have some friends who've made careers doing that uh my hats off to them because uh that that is such a, a slog for me i never want to do that again i've probably been to 50 weddings now in my life most of them during that two year period where i was uh, shooting video for weddings so uh not only did we shoot them we also edited them and that's my first uh paid uh videography and editing gig yeah nice but aside from paid gigs uh what i'm what i'm most proud of and what i would say i'm uh showing today joe uh, is a little independent movie And when I mean independent, I mean independent, like me and my friends, uh, one summer between uh, semesters of college, uh, community college at that, uh, we had access because of this paid gig that I had where we were shooting videos uh, and editing them, so I have access to these uh, cameras and editing gear. Uh, Which was expensive back in the day, you know, any jerk off with a laptop nowadays can uh, put stuff on TikTok, but uh, you really needed dedicated and expensive equipment back in the day uh, to produce anything good. So lucky us, we've got uh, these cameras and this editing gear and expendable free time uh, for the summer. So we're like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's make a little movie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, me and this other guy kind of came up with a story. I wrote it, I directed it, we shot it. I had some, you know, all my theater friends um, starred in it. Uh, some of my non theater friends uh, were background uh, extras and um it was really just like a it was a good time it was a it was a way for us to um have a creative outlet and and be able to kind of play with some big boy toys i say mm-hmm. that these were all like mini dv cameras like they wasn't even in high def it wasn't even 16 by 9 we're talking 4 by 3 SD quality video, uh, Hmm. and sound. And it really had a super low budget. Like I'm talking like Blair Witch Project look to it, but it was something that we did. It was something we created from, you know, I love that phrase from soup to nuts. Um, and while, It's cringe to watch nowadays. Like I say, I'm, I'm proud of it, but only in the sense that it was an accomplishment is something that a group of us came together, uh, and, and created, you know, out of, out of thin air, uh, and, and a lot of people have gotten enjoyment from in the years, but the content itself, uh, I'm probably less (laughs) proud of. It was very much me in my youth, uh, questioning things like, you know, religion and, uh, relationships. You get to hear a guy like I, I wrote the script And here I am talking about sex. Uh, And yet I was like a 20-year-old virgin at the time. So uh, me just kind of like figuring out what life and friendship was and very heavily, very heavily influenced by Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino and the brothers and just the movies we were absorbing in the late 90s there when this
1: was produced. Um, Yeah, those filmmakers gave you this feeling like, you know, Like, I have a voice. I've got something I want to say, too. And I think that's it's one of the same things that like I was inspired by Kevin Smith. I was inspired by Tarantino. Um, And it's because they were fresh voices and they were saying something that I related to even Tarantino with Pulp Fiction. There were things about that movie that that resonated with me. And it was the first time I remember in my life that was it wasn't it wasn't a sci fi movie wasn't Star Wars, but it was a movie. That resonated with me. And I was like, I love that. Like, this is speaking to me on a certain level. Clerks, a couple of guys working a, you know, stupid dead-end part-time job, just kind of having to deal with the bullshit of the day. Mm -hmm. Who cannot relate with that? And to set a camera down and just film a day in the life of these two guys, it made, I think, everybody who felt like they had a story to tell, too, it suddenly emboldened them and encouraged them. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. I can do this. If this guy could do this, I could do this, yeah. too. No, I absolutely feel you on that. I, I've i got a couple of projects that were mm. inspired. That's right. Possibly completely directly by Will Smith or Kevin Smith. Not Will Smith. <laughs> that's when I get up on a stage and I punch some guy in the face. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Um, but no, Kevin Smith influenced yeah. quite a bit. And oh, yeah. that's why I think still to this day, I, I know the guy... I don't want to say that he's gotten exhausted or that he's gotten tired um, because surprisingly, I've gone back and I've watched like the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I've watched Clerks 3 and I still enjoy them. Like, despite it all, even when I feel like the guy goes back to the same well over and over and over again. God damn it, if it doesn't still resonate with me. So there still has to be something there. It's when he does his movies like Cop Out where I'm or Tusk and I'm like (laughs) you've lost me you have completely lost me like you know red state i thought was great but i'd say uh, cool.
0: save your hot takes for kevin smith uh, for a future episode where uh, we will be talking about the complete works of kevin smith both the uh, film oh, and the uh, complete works of kevin and tv and comics yeah uh,
1: so that may be we'll, uh, be we'll be comparing kevin smith and will shakespeare <laughs> um but but yeah no i i feel you man uh, the the that era of film was special
0: he specifically definitely made movie making seem attainable yes um and and, and yeah, so we're like, hey, we can take a crack at it. We've got some funny jokes and ideas, and uh, which all end up being, you know, highly derivative and and wholly unoriginal. Uh, upon uh, I was going to say repeat viewings, but even single viewing. So the movie was called Cemetery Weed, and Joe, I think I've mentioned it before on the editing bay because I had threatened at one point to do an episode yeah. where we watch that movie and uh, review it. We Luckily, never did. Uh, I have yeah. not made you do that. Never did. Uh, maybe at some point. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 pretty bad. If you want to see the trailer, I even cut a pretentious trailer for it that you can view on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and type in Cemetery Weed, I think it'll show up. Haven't posted the entire movie online. Might do that. I do have the domain, cemeteryweed.com. So uh, maybe if you're listening to this in the future, uh, you can go to that website and watch the film in all of its glory. Although we totally are using you know needle drops music pop you know it was very grunge ska in the late 90s uh inspired uh tracks so um don't think i can put it on youtube but yeah. we'll find a way to get it online
1: you know speaking of needle drops and um this is completely unrelated yeah. to anything that we're talking about oh, i know one of your criticisms to the mario movie was the needle drop um the uh the take on me specifically oh, yeah. the take on me needle drop but less one of your favorite movies is is forrest gump right
0: uh I I I enjoy Forrest Gump. I'm not going to say it's okay. one of my favorites, but okay. I do think Forrest Gump is a is a
1: great movie. Yes. So it was it was on TV the other day and I fell down the Forrest mm-hmm. Gump rabbit hole Uh-oh. and ended up watching it. And and we may we may have talked about this already, but there if there is the most needle-droppy <laughs> movie in history, I think Forrest Gump might be it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think it might be. The yeah, movie a little heavy-handed, it
0: really had to make sure you knew what era you were in like, what was the top,
1: <laughs> what, the, the top 10 songs in 1960? Well, you're going to hear them all in a five minute segment. Just the running, co- the running section, when he runs from one end of the country to the other, we go through, I, oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure we hit four or five different songs in the course of two minutes. And I'm like, wow, man! <laughs> yeah. Got to know what area we in. are. pet. He it was. One how else era is the audience going to know? He was running in one era. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it was like a f- five month span <laughs> running. And one of the songs is "Running on MD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little on the nose, maybe. We, we did. That's right. We have talked about this because we talked about how on the nose a lot of yeah. those song yeah. choices are. Listen to our uh, Forrest uh, cup episode. Don't you love her as she's walking out the door? Yes, as, she as literally she's literally walks out the door. Hey, man, that's what films are for, <laughs> man. Yeah. So why is it okay for Forrest Gump, but it wasn't okay for Super Mario Brothers? I mean, okay. So this was if, all a ploy to, to ambush you about if, Super Mario. Uh,
0: If Forrest Gump was too literal with the uh, song choice, then uh, Mario uh, is the opposite of that. And it has no bearing on what is happening on screen <laughs> it, the choice, or in the story. It didn't make any yeah. sense. Just they, they focus grouped and thought that the, uh, the core audience uh, and youngsters both know and appreciate AHA. So that's why I it's mean, in the
1: movie. Agree to disagree. But okay, right. I got you. Wow. Well, this <laughs> so podcast is over. I think <laughs> I just upend my table. Yeah. I'm like, oh, damn it. That's my table. Uh, so Cemetery Weed is the name of it. I yes. think you should put it online. I think if, if Roach Man <laughs> is out there where people can see it. Yeah. I think Cemetery Weed should also be out there.
0: It was really, uh, it was, the premise is, uh-huh. uh It's 1998. Uh, and this kid, this main character—actually, it was it was my buddy who uh, guest hosted on an episode of the Sixteen Bit Gladiators, where we talked about superhero video games. And it was Gerald Perez, was the star, great actor. Uh, you know, did, yeah. did community college yeah. stuff, but a uh, uh, really good actor in his own right. Gay uh, porn. Better than he, <laughs> better than he uh, had any <laughs> business being in Beeville, uh, Texas. Anyway, um, it's, it's, it's this guy, you know, slacker, late twenties. Gets finds out he's got a terminal illness and he's got like a couple of months to live. So he and his buddy—it's kind of a road movie, um, we're, we're, that we filmed in
1: one city. So you can imagine how expensive <laughs> that is. Uh, but uh, yeah, he and his buddy. Did you try to double a location as like something else? Like they drove to California. Oh
0: well, I mean, I was using very like generic locations. Like here's a park. <laughs> oh, okay. here's a, here's a, some railroad tracks. You, you did the chasing Amy. You did the chasing oh, Amy. Very, okay. Dude, yes. When I say inspired by Kevin yeah. Smith, I mean ripped off of Kevin Smith. But uh, yeah, so it, there's a little bit of uh, uh, the contemplation of the meaning of life, uh, but also talking about really raunchy, you know, Kevin Smith inspired stuff. And uh-huh. uh, there is a gun in the movie, and there's a, a a car speeding away. Those are the two things they said you always need in a trailer. You know, if you uh, if you want yeah. to get eyeballs on, it, you need somebody holding a gun. You need a car speeding away. So we got both of those for the trailer. So I feel like
1: we did our job. Did you have an attractive woman that you put in very scantily clad, like yes, costume? Yes, absolutely okay. did. Yep, yeah. for the trailer as yeah. well. There's a scene where because
0: uh, Gerald's character is an artist, and so uh, he uh, he has a one night trisk with uh, one of my friends' <laughs> wives, who I was able to convince to take her shirt off. Wow, good for you. <laughs> Tastefully done, though, Joe. Only seen from behind. It's amazing
1: what we do for our art. Yeah. (laughs) Like Titanic. (laughs) Like Titanic. Um, Dude, that's cool. I think that's awesome. I think you should be... Well, it's proud. I'm I'm proud of you. You know, it's hard to like to put yourself out there and uh, to actually like complete a project like that too. I know is really difficult. So I th- yeah. I think uh, that's I, awesome, man.
0: I mean, you you've got some great stuff under your belt. Your content's much higher produced, much funnier. Um, so I definitely recommend checking out anything <laughs> Joe has done online before uh, my my humble
1: offering. But thank you, Joe. I don't. Uh, I don't recommend that. <laughs> I, I don't agree, but uh, but yeah, dude. I would. Lo- I would love it. I think we should do an episode of Cemetery. I think we should get. We'll get uh, your buddy Gerald. Get Gerald back on. Whoever else was Matt Brundage involved? Let's get him involved. He was not, but uh, let's, yeah, let's we'll get his expert opinion. Let's remake this. You know, uh,
0: one of my, one of my friends who also has a bit part in it, uh, we've, we've always talked about like doing a sequel and he lives out in LA, man. And he, he really wants to do this. Yeah. And I'm like,
1: uh, I think that ship has sailed, but uh, it's fun to think about. Dude, Brian Harden and I talk constantly. We talk constantly about like doing a, a Roachman Roach Man 2, 2? like coming back to it. And my whole yeah. thing has been Roach like, I I want it to be like, uh, and I know I talked about with the Indiana Jones thing. It's like, you know, who wants to see someone old and sad? And that's definitely where, where I was with Roachman 2 is like, <laughs> okay, so we come back and it's this whole thing about like how the main character that Roachman and his buddy Mark have been waiting 20 years for this big bad that they were told was going to show up and never does. They've, they 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 oh, they missed out on their entire lives basically because they were preparing for this battle <laughs> uh and so now like the mark character is jaded and doesn't want to have anything to do with dalton he's working a job he's you know just you know just trying to finally do something with the rest of his life and that's when like something finally happened like some some kind of evil finally strikes sure and and roach man has to try to get him back involved and it's like <laughs> it, it's kind of it's this character piece you know it's a piece about <laughs> yeah. Like, absurd, yeah where we reflect on age and regrets and you know but then we also throw some of that comic booky stuff in there too yeah like clerks too yeah no you and i definitely uh born and raised on the same media yeah that's true um so i want to go back to the stuff that you like getting into editing and Mm -hmm. and getting into that because i i feel like and and i would love to see cemetery weed but i would also like to dive deeper into you and what makes you tick and the things that you know fulfill you artistically or even just professionally so tell me about like the worst editing gig you ever had to do oh interesting Um, That you can tell me about I'm sure you've got like a bunch of projects that you're not able to tell me about you know
0: (laughs) This wasn't necessarily the worst
1: but um, Every
0: now and then I get these weird side gigs um, And this woman approached me um, She was she had shot a pilot With a woman who can commune with animals who can talk to the animals real life dr. Doodle (laughs) Uh, and she had shot a pilot and wanted to You know, shop it around. You know, needed needed a needed something polished that looked like it was it was you know ready for prime time uh, that they could show to some investors, get some money, and then maybe shoot another series and whatever. You know, Um, so gave me a bunch of footage, uh, gave me a couple of weeks to work on this, um, and. I, I, if I was skeptical coming into it that this woman could actually speak to animals, uh, I was downright convinced that this woman had no abilities by the time <laughs> I got done editing this pilot uh, because uh, all of I was doing my damnedest using the B-roll cutaways of dogs like turning their heads oh, and no. putting their heads down and trying to show some sort of emotion and pairing it up with the things that she was saying. Yeah, there's a little bit of dishonesty going there, but you know, hey, it's, it's showbiz, folks. Exactly. That's how this works. You know, We work with what we have. Uh, the task that I was given was to c- cut a pilot based on this footage I have I didn't have a dog in the fight, no pun intended. So, uh, uh, needless to say, did not get picked up. There were no other episodes of this uh, show. Uh, but uh, I, I, that it wasn't
1: necessarily the worst, but it was probably the most dishonest edit yeah. I, I've had to do. No, but what's? Yeah. But I want to know what the worst is. That's a good <laughs> oh, one. That's a good. That's a funny story. But like, well, I seriously want to like. It, like you had an, a job where you're like, this is all shit. <laughs> like, this is, sh- or it was your worst job. Like, you did a horrible job at it.
0: Well, I, uh, Joe, I'm a professional, so I don't have any of those. You know, I'm, <laughs> all my stuff is always great. Never lost any footage. No. Uh, it, the, the jobs themselves are never bad. Um, the, the most disappointing ones for me are always. Um, in the presentation generally like when you you've worked your hardest, uh, you've slaved all night, shooting something, throwing it together there was one time I was working I hate doing live events, but I've worked some live events before uh-huh. where you're like shooting content, you're editing there on the premise and you're turning stuff around very quickly to be shown like later that night in front of a, an auditorium full of people. Yeah And the worst thing is like going through all that trouble, rushing uh, you know uh, uh, your tape, Uh, Whatever it is back in the day, you know rushing tape over to uh, the player to be popped in in front of this audience of hundreds of people sitting here and hit play, and nobody's watching it. Nobody's paying attention because they're all hobnobbing and networking. Because that's what they're there to do, not to watch your silly little video that you stayed up all night uh, shooting and editing. So yeah. those are the ones that stick out with me as far as like negative experiences go. But um, I, I guess I've been kind of lucky. I haven't had any like huge disasters on sets or anything. Nobody's no children's heads have been chopped off by helicopters. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I,
1: I, some lost footage here and there, but never anything that was a that was a, a showstopper. Knock on wood. Have you ever thought about getting into like sports broadcasts? Like I know editing oh, is Jesus. a huge thing for them. Like uh, when, when you go back, like, I think one of the things I, I think of immediately is like um, like wrestling pay-per-views at the very end of the show. Like when after the final match, like before it's done, these WWE pay-per-views, they'll suddenly mm-hmm. have like a recap ready of all all of the matches right. and also like the match that you just watched they've already get I, <laughs> I get know. it like it's predetermined so they know where like the high points are going to be but still yeah, to like edit still. that that fast and turn it around i've seen that with football yeah. games i've seen it with basketball games i've seen it with wrestling so i feel like editing is obviously a huge point of their production how yeah. have you ever dipped your toe into that that sounds horrible to me. That is that is the 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 polar opposite of what I wanted. I
0: I mm-hmm. want my I want my work to be art, Joe. I want to slave away on it. I want to uh, agonize over every frame and every edit and every sound effect. And and uh, yeah. it's what Lucas said about uh, you know art is never or film is never finished, merely abandoned. Mm-hmm. I do feel that way about a lot of my projects. Like it finally just has to. There's a deadline. You got to let them go. But yeah. I'll rewatch something and tweak it forever. Um, I I do have to be kind of. Creatively fulfilled Um, I'm lucky to be able to do what I do Because I have no other demonstrable skills To uh, make a living Um, But I still also Need to have something in it for me You know Mm -hmm. even if it's something A little hidden easter egg that is in there That nobody else will know but I know it Because it's a reference to that movie that I like And
1: I did an edit Oh, I was about to say, do you like Tyler Durden your dick into like different shots? And... <laughs> yeah, that's right. if you freeze frame the Clorox commercial. Actually, what? Um... Have you really done this? No, no, no,
0: okay. no, not that. No, not that. But I, uh, oh. I edited another movie trailer uh, for some friends of mine who did an independent film. Um, and I totally ripped off a technique that I saw in the trailer for episode three, Star Wars episode three, where it was like... Um, Darth Vader, you'd hear the sound of Darth Vader breathing, and the image would fade in from black. Uh-huh. And then, as he exhaled, it would cut to another image, and then that image would fade to black. I kind of ripped that off from oh. my trailer, but nobody noticed. But that was there for me. That was my ode to Darth Vader. To Darth Vader in the trailer for Between Notes.
1: Yeah. How does this affect the way that you watch <laughs> movies? Like, uh, like, the, oh, can you help? Like, try to do you like oh criticize God. cuts? Do you criticize edits? Or are you able to separate yourself enough from it? <laughs> Well, you should ask my wife. You should ask Jenna how she feels
0: about that because I've I've ruined media, film and TV for her. Oh no! Because uh, when I start the yeah, the first uh, um, Pandora's box that that was open for her was finding out that uh, nothing is shot in chronological order. Yeah, like you shoot everything, you can shoot the last scene the first day of the shoot and vice versa. That just kind of broke her world. And so I, I try I try not to peek behind the scenes too much. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm lucky that I'm somehow able to have that, that carnal knowledge as it were, were, but still able to, uh, it's all about escapism. Like, that's why we love these movies and why I do what I do, because I want to give that to somebody else. And so I can simultaneously experience it, but then also recognize, oh, the effort it went into it. Uh-huh. Much like the Mission Impossible movies you were talking about. Yeah. A friend of mine said, uh, of, of the of the marketing, he was like, all oh, the, the marketing is,
1: look how hard this movie was to make. <laughs> like, that's what every commercial is. <laughs> Come see our movie. We, we spent a lot of time doing this. It, it really it really does play that way. Because it's like, you know, I, I've yeah. heard from everybody. They're like, oh, yeah, the big stunt is this. And I'm like, wow, they've been showing that everywhere. Like, they haven't been, they yeah. haven't hid that Why one. That one not close to the vest. Yeah, that's Definitely, like, look how hard this was. Look at all the things we did to make this movie. Uh, so, I, I'm—I mean, I'm excited for it. So, it's, with that said, that you know, it, yes. you you can't turn it off. What is a movie that everyone loves? Like a, a just a mm. very well-regarded movie that you think is edited. Not horribly, but that you you kind of criticize the editing. That's like, yeah, it's a good movie. It's not as good as you think because the <sighs> editing is actually pretty bad. Is there something like that?
0: Yeah, well, I, I, there is an answer. It's probably not what you're thinking of. You're thinking of like editing in the sense of... Everybody gives Christopher Nolan shit for some of his his editing. And, mm-hmm. and I... I, I'll pile on to that, especially when it comes to Tenet, if you ever saw Tenet. Tenet is um, nigh unwatchable, or at least comprehensible on first viewing. Um, the first time I watched it, we paused several times throughout just to kind of figure out, what right, where are we? What is this? What is, yeah. Okay, okay just kind of wrap your head around it before hitting play again. Mm-hmm. Um, and famously, uh, there's a chase scene in The Dark Knight where um, he's taken a lot of liberties with, like, camera angles mm-hmm. and uh, the setup of the, the blocking of the scene where the cars are. Where's You know, the, things disappear from shot to shot, but he does it in a way to kind of keep momentum uh, moving. Uh, I, so I, I'm not going to come down on him too much. Uh, but I will come down on Stanley Kubrick because when you're talking about editing, I feel like that motherfucker needed an editor. Uh, and everybody loves 2001 space odyssey. I, I enjoy it. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't think it's uh, nearly as rewatchable as some people think. Um, and I do think at a certain point, uh, you ask too much of your audience, you ask for too much of their patience and time, um, and for them to put too much of themselves into your story without uh, like, if you have something you want to say, say it. And make sure the audience knows what you're saying. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think sometimes he gets this. Uh, oh, he's an author he's a genius because he's so and ambiguous. Yet, here we are, 30 years later. It's yeah, exactly. But to the point where nobody can agree on what your film means yeah. or what certain shots mean. Your message is getting muddled. So I feel like mm-hmm. that movie was way too long uh, and unnecessarily ambiguous. Yeah. But no, I feel you. I know I'm. I'll get called a simpleton.
1: No, as much as as much as I love The Shining, I think that there's a little bit of that too. Yeah, where, absolutely. You know, th- he's in love with his own stuff too much. There are some things where I'm like, okay. Uh you you know, you're either yeah, you're cut. trying to throw things in like you said, you're trying to throw things in to be a little too avant-garde. Uh when when you try too hard to be curious, sometimes you run the risk of being laborious. And Ooh, well I think said. that uh I, I can I can see that. I see yeah. that happening. What is, in your opinion, <laughs> the best edited film? Wow, what, what are you laughing for? This is it's the point of show because and tell. This is turning into a Q&A with Joel. Um I, I love it. I love be able to finally just interview you yeah film with the best editing the best edited film
0: best edited film uh this is an easy one and it is a disc that i just got in the mail today uh, from amazon prime this is one of my prime day purchases joe you get anything good on prime day we haven't even talked about that i did not no i didn't get anything oh man uh, got the wife an apple <laughs> watch got myself uh, a ultra 4k blu-ray version of scott pilgrim versus the world uh, and to me, that is probably the best edited, not just because it's fast. It's easy to take something that is like has, has a quick pace and is edited, you know, um, more shots per minute uh, like Michael Bay. But yeah. Michael Bay is a good example. Like that's just kind of like, you know, pomp and circumstance. It's just bombast. Uh, but yeah. the way Scott Pilgrim is planned and executed and so it's not even just the editing although there are some amazing like I've studied frame by frame scenes from that movie to be like Do do my do my cuts need to be seven or eight frames or can I really get away with four or five frames you know like really just kind of watching <laughs> right. how, how long he leaves stuff on screen for you to absorb before moving on to the next thing but then also just the transitions between scenes everything is planned out everything was on that storyboard before he even started filming and it shows uh, in the editing yeah that's that's
1: the best editing job i've i've seen that's great um <laughs> thanks I had a follow-up and I can't remember what it was oh. going to be now well good uh, we spent too much time on me I'm not that interesting <laughs> uh but I want to know what your like what is your your dream gig mm. like if if this thing had come along if, if like this this gig comes along and it's like hey Joel Come with me if you want to cut something really great. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. Uh, yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you are going to be completely fulfilled. Like, like I, I don't imagine like your dream gig is like I want to work on a reality TV show or <laughs> nope. you know like what 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 is your thing like? Do, do you have any kind of like you know man someday I would like to kind of jump into like the Disney Marvel verse and like cut one of those superhero movies together or you know what 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 is it? What's your what's your dream gig? I do like narrative. I don't get to do a lot of narrative, you know, aside from a psychic. uh, (laughs) The the animal psychic. Pet psychics. Exactly. Um, Wasn't that from, uh, wait, wasn't that something from Forgetting Sarah Marshall? (laughs) Wasn't like one of her things was like CSI, but she like understood what animals were saying? That would have been much more interesting
0: than what I cut together. (laughs) You know, I I do like long form, um, but I also like uh, movie trailers. And you say, yeah. you know, if somebody approached me and was like, "Hey, we got, we'll fly you out tomorrow. You can start doing this." Um, I, I say that now. I'd probably get really tired of it because they are very formulaic nowadays. Um, we mm-hmm. kind of had a renaissance there, movie trailers, about ten years ago. But I feel like we're. Uh, I haven't seen anything interesting in that field in a while. But I, I do love taking the essence of a long story. Um, and turning it, creating its own your own little short film version of that film, yeah, uh, with its own highs and lows and and beats and uh, being able to tell kind of a mini story, but not give too much away. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a it's a real art um, when it's done well. Cutting movie trailers is real art, and some of my favorite trailers, anything from David Fincher, his
1: trailers are always super interesting. Sure, um, yeah, I would I'd I'd love to do that. How do you feel about trailers? Like, do you, do you care at all if someone does like they put together a trailer and they add scenes that aren't in the final movie? <laughs> oh, I know. You know,
0: I only hate it when. Remember when Rogue One, that trailer for Rogue One came out, and there uh-huh. was this shot of Jyn Ursa walking, uh, you know, out like towards a Tie Fighter. It was a really dynamic shot. A right tie on fighter, the bridge, like, rises yeah. up on the bridge, yeah, in front of her, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to see how that plays out in the movie. Uh, it's not in the movie never sh- yeah, don't, it never shows up it doesn't i don't mind it when uh, it's um when it's a scene that's been cut but i do believe that that shot was created specifically for the trailer never intended to be in the like it wasn't even part of any scene uh-huh. uh that was shot so uh
1: that verges on false advertising at that point yeah um i like yeah. there's there's it's weird for me cuz i i tend to not care as much about stuff like that um like, yeah. I understand that the art of the trailer is to get you in the theater to come see the movie, like check out right. the story. And so it's like, I, I got to make a promise. To yeah, the I mean, but I mean, I look at I look at um, Infinity War, the trailer for Infinity War. There's a shot mm. of all the heroes rushing the camera to go to like Thanos or whatever. And one of them is oh, like yeah. the Hulk. And then, as you know, like when you finally watch Infinity War, the Hulk yeah, actually in isn't in that final battle. It's Banner in the Iron hulk suit or whatever it is the hulk buster and so like i i know a lot of people had problems with that where they were like yeah but you showed the hulk and we never got to see like the hulk wasn't in that battle and the thing is like i i kind of don't mind it i don't mind having that that image of like you know here's a selling point like here look at all these heroes like that's what we're trying to get across is that there's going to be a huge like hulk ain't in the movie yeah but I yeah. think, you know, visually and it's also it's, like hiding a plot point. I think you can make the argument that it's like,
0: well, that could be a spoiler if you even knew where he was. Sure. And if we don't show him in this shot, people are going to
1: say, where's Hulk? And it starts a whole thing. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. no, I I hear you on that. I guess I'm like, OK, I'm all right with you just showing me imagery and even just like, you know, imagery that that was cut. I'm OK with that. Yeah, I think still lie to me. I think the uh, the old Stallone Judge Dredd movie <laughs> had several shots uh, that were never in the actual film. Uh, and th- and that was a great trailer too. Uh, way better than the film. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we could do a whole episode <laughs> yes. on movies that had trailers that were way better than the movies. Oh yeah, well, watch the uh, Cemetery Weed trailer that I've cut <laughs> on YouTube um so what are the cheap tricks of editing this is is my this is my last question Mm, what is mm, what is like the cheap trick like something that people will get maybe even get like a reaction out of people like oh ooh, that's really like it looks good but it's like super simple and it's something that everybody does Mm, i got a perfect
0: example uh and it's it's removing one frame uh to create impact yeah uh, I noticed it first in the born identity movies uh, which you want to talk about some great editing those are I, I know that they're very and I, specifically the the second and third one which were more kind of handy cam uh, than that first one uh, that's really hard to edit and keep some semblance of flow I know it looks easy It looks choppy But there's, there's some artistry going on When it's done well As it was in the, the Bourne movies mm-hmm. uh, But one of the things I noticed And learned about from there Is um, editors will often remove a frame So if like a, a guy is coming in To punch another guy They will remove the frame Right before impact To make that hit Boom Seem even more sudden And harsh Wow Yeah it's, uh, it's very effective um, And I've used that uh, In some
1: of my own work Nice. You know, when I'm editing a stunt fight. <laughs> when, you, when you're editing sandwich commercials with my daughter's hands. <laughs> exactly. uh, we removed this frame, so she grabbed it even faster. Boom. <laughs> See that hand come in? I did have to speed her
0: up, that's right, uh, to, yeah. to match the speed of me grabbing yeah. my sandwich. I forgot we shot that
1: together. That's right. She, that was so awesome. She had such a good time doing that. Um. Yeah, so, I that. I did, too. I, she was great. I lied. I have one more question. As an editor, oh, are you... Are you also what well, I mean you keep laughing I'm, like I'm truly interested as an editor how oh, I didn't know this whole episode was going to be on me well I love it and sure. stop feeling some like self-conscious about it Thank you. I think this is great I need to get over myself um, thanks and so uh, I'm curious about like your involvement when it comes to sound mm. is that something that you do as well or is that then handed off to a sound editor
0: it can be done both ways. on On higher budget productions, obviously, you have got a mixer who's dedicated to that. Uh, but on some of the low budget stuff, I'm doing for like you know YouTube and social, um, which is ninety percent of the work I produce. Is, you, know, mm-hmm. you can find it on Instagram or YouTube. Um, I I am doing kind of the sound design, and uh, yeah, that can be fun. I had to do a an animatic. Actually, can I talk about? It? I'm not sure if I can. You know, I'll there's a there's a video that I edited for a snap. Talk about there's a video that I edited. For a for yeah for a snack chip that uh, if you saw it in in a convenience store you'd probably recognize.
1: Um, you probably can't talk about where. It. No, <laughs> 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 son of a bitch. <laughs> That's perfect. but but like uh it was you know
0: they give me these storyboards that i have to shoot and you know nobody thinks about what the sound design is or you know is there going to be music into this is there somebody talking is there are there performers making noises and sometimes they have rudimentary stuff but you really need to plus it up with some sound design so i yes i'm i'm known to uh Add my own sound effects or music stings or cues because uh, that's one of the things as an editor. Um, is, is I saw somebody post on Twitter one time asking kind of an open-ended question. It was about it was a Twitter account on film and said, uh, "What is one of the major challenges for young filmmakers today?" Thinking it was going to be like you know budgets or or you know unions or whatever, and somebody answered sound.
1: <laughs> it's true because
0: <laughs> most amateur stuff looks. Amateur because it sounds amateur because people are focused more on the imagery and not about like should there be a music cue underneath here? Should how there do be we some mic this of, up? Yeah, 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 exactly. And not even just capturing the actual sound there, but you know, designing the soundscape uh, mm-hmm. of of a scene. Um, yeah, you know, going back to Kubrick, as much as I uh, um, deride some of his his editing choices, you know, talking about The Shining all you got to ha- do is have that like high pitched screeching and it's the most tense scene ever and nothing's really happening but there's a yeah a, a, there's an anxious sound
1: escape to that <laughs> he's scene he's just bending a saw and hitting it with an iron pole like every <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> yes yes exactly it's so yeah. simple and yet
1: um iconic mm-hmm um, Sorry, right, long well, answer to a short question. No, that's that's awesome. Uh, do you have are there any other like little parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share for any uh, aspiring editors?
0: Well, uh, generative AI is going to take all of our jobs, so don't bother getting <laughs> into uh, anything creative. Be a prompt monkey. Learn how you to type what? into ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: I mean, until they get the fingers right, I think we're still oh, okay. Oh, good, yeah, yeah. we we're, we're, we're still got uh, pepperoni. Pizza, yum. Yeah, pepperoni <laughs> yeah. hung spot in our rearview mirror. Yeah. So we're
0: not quite there yet. But, uh, yeah, I mean, your iPhone can take videos that you've shot out of your camera roll. And put music to them and recognize yeah. faces and pacing yeah. and can edit stuff to the music and do a lot of that stuff for you. So, I mean, I don't think the art of editing will ever go away because there will always need to be humans making some of these decisions because it's going to be consumed by other humans, not by other robots. Mm-hmm. And so if something looks yeah. off to you uh, or, or, you know, being able to read performances uh, and choose the the best take, um, that's the stuff I enjoy. Uh, that's, that's for me what's... The most fun and where the magic really happens is uh, in the editing room. I know it's cliche, but it's true.
1: That's awesome. Guys, if you have any questions for Joel, oh, that no. you, you'd like to ask Jesus. if you're curious about anything as far as editing or, or cemetery weed, if you want to see cemetery weed, ah. you know, write them. Tell them, get that movie up on YouTube. I'll put it. Uh, you could talk to us on socials at Low Res High Def. And again, our website, com. Joel. This was awesome. Thank you so much for for sharing this Uh, this little side of you that maybe we didn't all know about. I know I didn't quite know all of this stuff and and understand much of it, and uh, I I appreciate you letting me ask you questions about it. Dude, you're a great interviewer. Uh, It's quite a talent. (laughs) I hope I can uh, do
0: the same next week when we uh, talk about yours, right? (laughs) Man, I'm a motor mouth. (laughs) I'm disappointed we don't get to hear about yours.
1: It's all right. You know what? We just, you got to keep them wanting more. There you go. (laughs) I'll have to put my editing skills
0: to use next week, cutting your episode
1: down. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) God. Uh, yeah. So next week, we're going to continue our show and tell where I'm going to share something uh, about me, something that I love, something that's uh, kind of been a big part of my life that uh, that Joel maybe doesn't quite know everything about. No, I think I don't understand. it. I think, you know, it's something I like. But, yeah, something that you don't quite understand. Yeah, <laughs> And uh, and I'm uh, I, I'm very excited to share it with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do we want to so, tease what that might be? D- uh, listen i could i could give you a tease but then brother if you met me in the ring uh no <laughs> have to hit me no, with was, the chair That's horrible <laughs> <laughs> we'll just yeah next week uh my show and tell we're gonna talk about pro wrestling we're gonna yes. talk about what got me into it and uh and why i'm still drawn to it from time to time yeah. i'm gonna peel that uh, so onion we'll talk joke. about that next week yeah uh, I'm looking forward to it because I, can, I think that there are things that I'm going to share with you that may surprise you. Um, I hope so, so. Until next week, dear listener, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Joel. Again, thank you for taking the time uh, to, sh- to share this with us, and uh, awesome. uh, I-, I think everyone's going to find it just as fascinating as I did. No. And uh, we'll we'll catch you guys next week for more show and tell here on Low Res High Def. Thanks, guys.